I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Welcome to a Thursday night at VEASAN's primetime action. Glad you could join us. Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, Daniel Alvari, Kelly Bidlin. Got some basketball tonight. Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Game number six from Milwaukee. Brooklyn tries to close out the Bucks. Bucks favorites, though. We'll talk about that as the uh, game, uh, well, on the run-up to the game, about a half hour from now. Uh, we'll talk U.S. Open golf, see how our bets are doing there. And a whole bunch of baseball as well. And we got some uh, games that are starting. Actually, one game that starts in a few minutes, Matt, in Houston. One game that starts. About a half hour asterisk. Yes. Yes, we'll put an asterisk. We're going we're to set yeah, the yeah. over-under tonight <laughs> at 17 minutes after scheduled tip-off time. The actual tip-off. We do have uh, an 8-10 Eastern, 5-10 Pacific. That's the White Sox and the Astros. Dylan Cease and Jose Arquiti. So a very nice pitching matchup in this one. Uh, minus 132 if you want to back Arquiti and the Astros. Plus 110 if you want to come in on the White Sox. Gil, one thing that was fairly interesting to me, and I think this is probably more the the – lineups here as it is the guys on the hill, but this is a nine total in this game with, with Cease and Arkady on the hill. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, all said and done, two very, very potent lineups that any pitcher basically on the planet not named Jacob deGrom can get blown up by pretty much any single night. You're saying night. you felt it was a little high. A little high. A yeah. little, little high. You play the, you little, play the under? Though. I didn't. I yeah. didn't. I was just, it was interesting to me, the nine that was that was popping there. Uh, Brewers in the Rockies in, you know, we'll do that in about a half an hour thing here. Brandon Woodruff on the hill for the Brewers. Armand Marquez on the hill for the Rockies. Woodruff and the Brewers, minus 162, plus 138 if you want uh, Marquez and the Rockies, as you would imagine. We're playing at Coors Field, so we have a 10 total in that one. And then another 840 Eastern, 540 Pacific, the Reds and the Padres. Wade Miley on the hill for the Reds. Joe Musgrove on the hill for the Padres. Minus 190 for Musgrove and the Padres. Miley in the Reds, plus 160. And the reason I say that um, that way, Gil, is this Reds team is one of the hottest teams in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball right now. So uh, Market loves the Padres. So plus 160 here on the Reds. Again, not in my account yet, but I might actually dig into this one just a little bit more. We've got a little bit of time before first pitch in this one. Uh, we do have a couple of later first pitches we can talk about. Yeah, one, uh, one of the game, one of the games that's going on right now. I just wanted to comment on St. Louis at Atlanta. It's John Gann against Charlie Borden. The Braves a preflop minus one eighty five favorite in that game. It's scoreless at the top of the fourth. But I just want to point out John Gant, one of these magicians in terms of what he's done this year. He's four and four, by the way, in the win loss column. But John Gant is one of these pitchers. You, you say, how in the world is John Gant four and four? He has a and this is always boys and girls when you when you have a a walk rate that is 
either the same as your K rate or better, um, it's red alert. And in John Gant's case, he's got a 16.3% K rate and a 16.3% walk rate. And somehow he's been able to forge uh, a 4-4 four and four record. He has a 3.36 ERA, but a, a fielding independent of 4.99, a difference of 1.63 runs. So the advanced stats basically telling you John Gant shouldn't be 4-4. Four the Cardinals are justified as a plus 170 favorite, and yet you look up at the scoreboard, 0-0. Zero, 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 zero. Uh, don't want to uh, pass up on hockey tonight either. Uh, Lightning and the Islanders p- drop here momentarily. If you do want to get in, Lightning minus 134 there. You can find a plus 120 out there on the Islanders if you did want to take the underdog. Andy McNeil, glad you said that. Andy McNeil, our hockey expert from Edmonton, Alberta, uh, who you can follow at Digital Gambler. He likes the price on the Lightning tonight at minus 135, but Islanders fans, there is some solace. He has been banging his head into the wall, fading the Islanders all postseason. So he admits to that, but he does like the value on the Lightning. By the way, if it's minus 125 that we're showing right here on the screen, uh, all the more, he would say, bet on the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. That series tied at one game apiece after the uh, Lightning were able to knot it up in game two in a game where the referees really take, the, the officials took center stage more than the uh, the two clubs themselves. So that's game three. Last night, the Canadiens saved me. Big win over the Vegas Golden Knights. Three to two win to even up that semifinal. Game three tomorrow night back in, this time in Montreal. Uh, they go north of the border. Canadians plus one of 40 dogs. Knights minus one. 60 favorites on the road for game three there. But the Isles and the Lightning, as you said, Matt, just about to face off in Long Island. Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, Danielle Alvari, Kelly Bidlin. This is VEASAN's primetime action. If you're new to the show, um, you're wondering, what are these guys all about? They're talking about all these sports so randomly uh, because we're betters. We um, not only watch sports, but we look to bet on them. And we look to bet on them in-game if the opportunity arises. Let's take... Before we get to the review of last night's game, let's take tonight's basketball game between the uh, Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are five and a half point favorites in game six tonight, fighting for their lives. If they lose, their season is over. The Nets are trying to close them out. Uh, there will be James Harden on the court. There will not be Kyrie Irving. That's the story here with the, uh, with the Brooklyn Nets, but they are five and a half point dogs. You and I both took positions on the total, Matt. Yes, I have the over 220. Um, you're on the over 111.5 in the first half. Mm-hmm. This was one of the plays here where I think there was just a little bit of overcorrection. This, the, the Nets have gone under several different times, so they kept taking down this total. The Bucks are a team that have pushed the pace all year long and have pushed and have pushed the pace even in this series to this point. And just, um, you know, both of these teams, whether kind of flip-flopping which team it was, but have have shot poorly in the game at one point or another and has, has kept these games under. So uh, if I can just get a little bit of a correction there and get uh, a decent, solid performance from both teams here, I feel pretty confident in the over 220. And that one, I assume that's something along the same lines as, yeah, as you're going to get. The only difference being I didn't want to mess, mess around with the second half yep. in case things got out of hand either way. Um, but as you mentioned, five and a half, this thing hit six a couple different times today. So that's what I wanted to ask you two about. Um, do you... Do you think that number is justified? Like for me, and we talked about this a little bit before, and we we hadn't mm-hmm. talked before. We both were tempted to take Brooklyn plus the points. I 
I got so so far as to have it pulled up on the app and Me then too. loaded, and then didn't didn't just didn't hit the button for whatever reason. I don't know why I didn't get there. <laughs> I um, just for me, it was just because I'd I'd rather wait for an in-game moment to do I, that. Yeah, I honestly, this series has been tough for me because early on when net, the Nets were winning those games, I didn't think the Bucks were playing up to the potential that they could be playing at. Um, and then, like, you know, this last game was so wacky, and I just, I don't know that, like, I, it's a lot to ask Kevin Durant to replicate what he did last last game and a lot of what they got out of those guys. I think even Blake Griffin, you know, 7 for 11 from the field last game. Jeff Green going 8 for 11, 7 for 8 from 3. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing, right? It's like, as you look at this, and that was what my, my internal debate. Um, but, I mean, if we want to run down the whole thing here, obviously, Nets are up 3-2 to two in the series. Took game one by eight, took game two by 39. Bucks come back, take game three by three, take game four by 11. And then we get to this game five that we're talking about right here where the Bucks led by 14 after the first quarter. They won the second quarter by two points. So they take a 16-point lead to half. And then the Nets won the second half 71-49 to to win the game by six. The big story being Kevin Durant, as um, as Kelly's talking about, the, the Kevin Durant game here that will live probably for forever. 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, three steals, two blocks, and played every second of the 48 minutes throughout the course of the game. My internal struggle, Kelly, was this. So, yes, you have to figure there, there's a regression for, coming from Durant. And then also... Jeff Green had 27 on 8 of 11 from the field, 7 of 8 from deep. And so you're like, okay, is he really going to replicate that again? But then the other part of me starts going, well, but then James Harden played 46 minutes and was only 1 of 10 from the floor and 0 of 8 from downtown. So maybe Jeff Green isn't quite as good, but James Harden's a little bit better. And so this was like what was going on yeah. in my head all day long. I'm kind of like, I was fighting with myself. And I'm like, if I have to fight this much, then I'm just not going to make I'm not going to make a play. I would say a fairly easy pass for me because the pro- problem is I think the – I don't know if I believe as much as you, I guess, that I think Harden's going to look as much more healthier in this game. I think what he was, I think he did a great job doing what he could in that game, helping facilitate as a point guard. He took a lot of outside shots, he didn't make yeah. any of them, but yeah. I, eight, know, eight assists for him. Right, eight in, assists in, in, like in, that in the yeah. game. Yeah. I think that's great, and I think we could see that again from him tonight. I think for him to do too much better, I think it would would surprise me. I think he could, but it would surprise me. I would love to play the Bucks. The problem is right now with the Bucks in the seven. 76ers, I think the, these teams are, are are not only you know some somewhat physically broken. I think they're mentally broken too. I think there are. I think there's been things that have happened in both of these series that just don't. I mean, the coaching and matchup decisions that the Bucks have made all series long have made no sense to me. I think there's probably some internal uh, issues going on with that team right now. And then I, well, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. But 76ers back to back collapses. I, I just don't believe in either of these teams you right know, now. If you're if you want to play the Bucks tonight, yeah, wouldn't would you just look to play the Bucks at plus one eighty five on the series line nope. as opposed to playing I, them tonight? I, I but, know what you're saying, but I can't do that. But I, I'm just I guess if I'm what I'm saying because your your handicap here obviously is that you you feel like Durant can't do what he did again. He's not going to be able to get the help. Well, James Harden's not going to magically get healthy in the next three. Yeah, days. You might as well extrapolate like, that like, over so two games. instead yeah. of laying minus one ten on tonight, like do you not just get plus one eighty five for Bucks on the series? Because again, it's going to be the exact same handicap in the in the next game, right? I think what you just said I would apply to the other two series, but not to this one. 
In other words, in this series, there is no chance in my, in my mind, there is no chance the Bucks win both Game 6 and, and Game 7. Okay. But in the other series, if you have conviction on the Sixers or on the Jazz, now keep in mind, the Sixers are favorites in Game 6, the Jazz are favorites in Game 6, if either extends it, or if both extend it to Game 7, they will be even bigger favorites in Game 7, their respective Game 7s, yet they are dogs on the series price. By the way, the math on that is correct. But to, your, to answer your question, I would apply what you're saying to those two teams. If, I, if I'm going to play those two teams, I would just play them on the series price. So, so and that's, it, it, and Gil, that's the, and that we'll talk about this later in the show, but that's kind of the, a little bit of a dilemma or decision I have to make when I've got series prices on both Clippers and Hawks and obviously my Hawks futures. And, and that that's, like, I think the 76ers are broken. I think I'm just going to ride my Hawks futures. I feel confident they're going to win this series. Um, the, uh... But I think I'm going to play a, ja- a little bit of a jazz price now at a plus 145, plus 150 you can get out there. I, I, I would do it with all three of these series, but I understand what you're yeah. saying. I, I, yeah, just I can't get past the The Bucks are not beating the Nets in this series. I just can't see it. By the way, uh, Kawhi ruled out officially, for those who missed it, for game six between the Clippers and the Jazz. Let's talk a little bit about what happened last night, or maybe a lot about it. Uh, Atlanta and Philly last night was was the game that we were on primetime action here, present for most of it. And again, we have this knack of going off air uh, when there's one narrative, and then as soon as we go, everything seems to shift. But the Sixers led this game by 26 points last night, a game after they were leading the Hawks by 18 and squandered that lead. And if you recall, after that game, I was saying, I had to go back and watch it. I'm I'm not sure how the Hawks were able to win game four. Well, how about a 26-point lead? How about that? Uh, Here's, uh, according to ESPN Stats and Information, by the way, Sixers' only team to blow an 18-point lead in back-to-back playoff games in the last 25 seasons. They had a win probability of 95.5% at one point in game four, and it reached 99.7% late in the third quarter of game five. The blown 26-point lead tied for the third-largest blown lead in a playoff game over the last 25 postseasons. By the way, you can keep on, you know, there's about 10 of those superlatives or or amazing stats uh, for that game last night, one of which... By the way, and I'm just going to go to my phone to get this. I saw Doc they, Rivers one where he has like five of like the seven biggest collapses in postseason well, history, something I, like that. I listed them on a numbers game this morning. We have the graphic. There's like since since the Celtics, since he won the the world championship with the Celtics in 2008. There's about eight different instances of Doc Rivers coach teams, whether the Celtics or the Clippers, and now the Sixers, that have just had epic collapses, and at some point. Look, you have to look at Doc Rivers and say, this can't happen. It's unconscionable. Here it is. Uh, and you could go through those one by one, but there it is. Up 3-2 in Orlando in 2009, lost. Up 3-2 on the Lakers in the finals in 2010 with the Celtics, lost. Up 3-2 on the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2012, lost. 2013, Clip Show Now. Up 3-2 on the Grizzlies, lost. By the way, Game 7 at home. 2014, Clippers blow 15-point lead in Game 5 versus OKC, end up losing the series in 6. And that's just half the list, right? 2015, blow the 3-1 lead to the Rockets. 2016, Clippers up 2 to nothing on the Blazers. They lose 4-2 with four straight losses. 2017, they lose Game 7 at home to the Jazz. Last year, who could forget the Clippers blow the 3-1 lead to the Nuggets? And then last night and the night before, or the, or the game before, 18-point lead in Game 4, as we mentioned, 26-point lead in Game 5, outcome of the series, TBD. Now, that's the thing. They can still win this series, right? But Joel Embiid last night, just, again, two botched free throws at the end. 
uh, looked hurt. You thought he, you, you're thinking he may not be around for game uh, six. He, I, I, I don't know if I want to go that far. I think he'll still try to give it a go because he's done it all series. But he, there was a moment with about a minute, maybe a minute 30 left in that game where he went for a rebound, went down to the ground. I mean, there was a, a massive grimace on his face. I was surprised the broadcast didn't really bring it up, but he looked like he kind of yelled out in pain and quickly got up and kind of looked like he walked it off a bit. But, I mean, he's just – he hasn't looked like the same guy the past two games, right? He's not looked like the same player in the second half of both those games. The other thing, Matt, and there's so much blame to go around, uh, Ben Simmons, 4 of 14 the, from the free throw the, I line. think the two big narratives from, yeah. from last night, one of which was Embiid and Curry – did all of the scoring, yeah. and there was not any help from any other player 30, on that team. 37 and 36, respectively. It did not have any help from anybody else on that team whatsoever. Tobias Harris, the guy that we were sitting here talking about, like, oh, man, look at him. He's been great. He's been kind of going for that 18 to 22 points a game. Yeah, two of, two of 11 from the field, 0 of 3 from downtown. Four points for the game for Tobias Harris. Whenever we're looking at this guy who literally was giving them 20 night. But the other one is that they went to they went to Hacka Simmons. Went to Hacka Simmons. And in yep. in implementing the Hacka Simmons worked perf- perfectly. Had to take him I mean, off the court. They had to pull in which gets his defense off the court, which gets his rebounding off the court, which gets his assists off the court, and they had to put him on the sideline because the Hacka Simmons was working so well. Yeah, and then there's even then there's even the matter of him not even looking for a shot because he doesn't want to go to the line. He hasn't made a field goal in the fourth quarter of the past two games. Uh in fact, he was shot four times last time. Yeah. Only sh- so that's the other thing. Only shot it. You 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 want that guy on your team? He only shot the ball four times? When you possibly could have traded him for James Harden? How's that looking? How about all the Sixers fans who, when you had that debate, who would you rather have, keep, Embiid or, or Simmons? A lot of them said, well, I'd rather keep Simmons. Oh. Uh, and to your point, Kelly, last two fourth quarters, games four and five, Embiid one of ten from the field, Tobias 0 for five, Ben Simmons zero for zero. Zero for zero. I thought I thought I got to give Kendrick Perkins some credit. He's not a guy I necessarily usually love on ESPN, but he had he went on post game last night and was ripping 76ers from top to bottom, starting with Doc Rivers, who he used to play for, and he thought it was almost egregious where there was a time where he went with so long with Tobias Harris and the second unit because Tobias Harris was pouting about not getting looks and shots and plays run for him early in the game. So they were pulling and beating these guys off the court to try to give him shots. And Perkins all, he was like, he was like, Tobias Harris having a bad night, but you can't cater to what he needs when your best player is Joel Embiid. Everything should be run through him. I, I mean, I thought it was a disaster. But all look, a three-point loss. I mean, if you look at the stats, I mean, they were nearly identical everywhere except the free throw. Like, it, it was the hack of Simmons that changed this game. It wasn't an egregious differential in turnovers. They both shot, I mean, they both shot 46% from the floor. If you look, the, the Hawks only were 9 of 26 from downtown, where the, the Sixers were 13 of 30. They actually shot way better from downtown. But 23 of 38 from the line for 60%. Yeah. And you lose by three points. That is the game right that there. That is the game. Yep. That, like, that is the game and, right and there. We talked about it. Obviously, this game changed a lot by the time we got off air. But, like, we were even talking about it on air, Matt, where it was like, we still think Trey Young's banged up because he wasn't shooting the ball that mm. well. But what he did do 
was facilitate and got to the line. And yeah. what was he, 17 for 19? 17 for 19 from the line. I yeah. mean, that's incredible. And at the end of the game, when he finally starts shooting the ball well, well, what happens? They win that game, and we're sitting here today talking about where where did it where did it come from? Well, it was those free throw shots mm-hmm. early in the game. It's hard to make this point after the free throw point because the free throw point is just there in black and white, right? You make th- you make four more of those free throws, you win the game, right? <laughs> but but we talk about this every week during football season, right? Up and down, where we pick out games and we're like, if the coach had just managed the clock this way, had not thrown an incomplete pass there, had run the ball right, there's ways of game theory at the end of football games where we're like, you could have just preserved your win by doing this. And it, it, it frustrates us to no extent, uh, to, to, you know, to the utmost, how these NFL coaches don't have the wherewith, don't have the presence of mind during those moments to figure out just how to win in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry. At some point, if you have an 18-point lead in Game 4 and a 26-point lead in Game 5, I know it's a different sport, but Doc Rivers has to figure out a way to just, even at the end of the game, just milk it to 24. I don't care if you don't even shoot the ball. Just, you know, like, figure out a way to preserve the win. (laughs) That's right. It's it's, it's the truth. One other thing we we haven't mentioned, uh, mainly because he hadn't been on the court all that much for the course of of basically since he's been over there, but Lou Williams had a Lou Williams game for the first time. Sweet Lou. Lou. He had 11 points in the fourth quarter. It was all the difference for them as well. Gave them that huge spark and, and he finally had a Lou Williams game where he comes in late, he's on fire late and like just completely changes the entire if you believe in momentum like you know completely changes the whole momentum and dynamic of the game you know what, you know what it reminded me of and I was kind of laughing at it where it was like it was like almost like Tyler Hero for the Heat last season where they're like you know what we thought this guy was going to be good and he's good let's give him some run it was <laughs> like somehow Sweet Lou just surprised the Hawks so they're like Nate McMillan's there like wow this guy's pretty good it's like and, well and he's for only whatever been doing reason, this in the league for and for whatever reason years. his whole career he's turned it on late <laughs> Like, it's like this weird thing inside his body that, like, the fourth quarter, for whatever reason, is, like, different for this guy. And, like, wow, look at that. 11 points in the fourth quarter for him. You could really do an hour on the Sixers. You, it just, really it's just my body. Yeah. And yet, they can still win the series, right? It, they'll be favorites in both games. They can still win it, by the way, just to, to be clear about that. Uh, they are, in fact, uh, tomorrow night, doubleheader, two game sixes. Philly is a three-point road favorite at Atlanta, followed by Utah, the Clippers, which we haven't even gotten to yet, where Utah will be a two-point road favorite at L.A. The Paul George game last night, which we'll get into uh, momentarily. Talk about that briefly. Danielle will join us next. Find out what she's betting. We'll do some NFL props this hour as well. we got to talk U.S. Open golf and some interesting news, by the way, at Wimbledon. Whole bunch to get to on VEASAN's Primetime Action. Material. DraftKings VIPs enjoy exclusive benefits, enhanced promotional offers, top-tier customer support, access to personalized contests, and more. Visit DraftKings.com slash to learn more. Plus, everyone can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and new customers can get up to $1,000 as a sign-up bonus. 
sign up using the promo code VSIN to claim your exclusive offer. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 Gambler or in Indiana, 1 800 9 with it. Must be 21 or older. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gil. <laughs> Danielle, I'm looking at your bets. And I need a magnifying glass before we, before we get to them. Cause I, okay. There are five WNBA games today. It's unusually you, a, a so high So you bet all five of them? You, uh, I did. And how many bets do you have there? That's 10. So a side, so a side and total per game. game. So side yeah. and total for all of them. Yes. Wow. And they're all in play right now. Nothing's, nothing's too far out of the realm right now. Look at that. Dream Mystics over 164. Mystics pick them. Yeah. What about the others? So uh, I'll just give you some quick notes on the ones mm-hmm. that I kind of, I mean, we don't have to go through all of these, but uh, Dream Mystics, um, for the Mystics, Tina Charles is out um, right now. She's got out for personal reasons. They're also missing another player for a knee. So they are a little bit down, and that's why you were seeing this as a pick because I think normally the Mystics would be favored. Uh, right now they're down by three to the Dream with about three minutes left in the third. Um, over 164 here is uh, looking good. We're trending up that way right now. The live line on that game is 166. Um, and then the other game to pay attention to here is the Sun in the Sky. Uh, the Connecticut Sun are without their coach, Kurt Miller, right now. He's dealing with some personal things. And also, Jonquel Jones, who is the MVP leader in the clubhouse for the WNBA right now, she is overseas right now. She's going to miss most of June. She's playing some tournament in uh, Europe. So she is huge loss for the Sun. Somebody asked me on Twitter today, actually, Danielle, why am I seeing the sky minus four and a half over the Sun right now? And I said, they don't have Jonquel Jones. They don't have their coach. And the sky have Candace Parker back. And since they've had her back, they've been just killing it. So, uh, I am a little bit nervous of my son plus four and a half here, but um, hopefully they can stay uh, in pace with the sky here. A side and a total for the whole schedule. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kelly, update everything else if you would, uh, Major League Baseball, if you could, sir. Yeah. We'll uh, start over in the uh, over in the majors. We'll do that. Uh, Cubs with the 2 nothing lead on the Mets, bottom of the fourth inning. If you wanted to get in live there, we are uh, minus 200 on the Mets. Uh, minus 200 on the Cubs, sorry. Plus 165 on the Mets. Your live total in that game is six and a half. Cardinals and Braves are scoreless. They are in uh, the top of the fifth inning. If you wanted to hop in live there, Braves minus 180. Cardinals plus 150 and four and a half. The live total. Yankees with a 3-2 lead over the Blue Jays, top of the fourth. Uh, Yankees minus 190 live. Blue Jays plus 155 and 11.5 the total. Astros with an early lead on the White Sox, 3-0 top of the second. Astros minus 550 live. White Sox 4-1 and 10.5 the total. Uh, NHL game is underway. Lightning Islanders will be about seven minutes into that game. It is still scoreless. Uh, if you wanted to hop in live now, though, about pregame numbers were one, minus 135 on the Lightning, um, plus 115-ish on the Islanders, and uh, the total at about four and a half shaded to the over now. So that would be the one thing that has adjusted. The uh, Nets and Bucks getting set to go here in about seven minutes, I'll say, but more like 17 probably. <laughs> uh, that is uh, at DraftKings five and a half. That's been doing the whole ping pong from four and a half and five and a half for the past couple hours of DraftKings. But uh, five and a half at DraftKings, you'll see five, five and a half most, most other places. And, and those, Gil, you're talking about that game tomorrow, that Jazz Clippers game down to one. Um, so and- the other, we said Kawhi. I saw that Donovan Mitchell actually just got uh, put on, put uh, listed as questionable oh. for tomorrow. Okay. So uh, I, he was probable, you know, in those past couple mm-hmm. games. So that is a slight bit of a downgrade for him on the injury side of things. Same thing with Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. who did he got listed as questionable for the game tomorrow night. 
And by the way, we'll talk more about this later. We'll update the odds at the U.S. Open, the 121st U.S. Open. But uh, in case you missed it today, Russell Henley, the leader in the clubhouse, four under 67 there at Torrey Pines. One stroke lead over both Francesco Molinari of Italy and Rafa Cabrera Bayo of Spain. Uh, everybody else, whether in the clubhouse, at least the uh, the, the best scores, either uh, remaining be, beyond those three guys in the clubhouse or on the course, are two under. Kepka and Shoffley in the clubhouse with a two under sixty nine for the day, but uh, still on the course at two under at varying points. All actually all through eleven. Hayden Buckley, Richard Bland, and South Africa's Christian Bazuden, who, who just bogeyed to fall back to two under. Also, uh, Rory McIlroy through eight at two under. The one guy I said all week, nobody's mentioned it, Rory back lurking and then there's a whole bunch of guys we'll get into later who just had bad days we'll talk about that when we get to the u.s open uh danielle a football prop can i uh, interest you in uh, bringing something to the table on that oh, next? yeah we got more okay and by the way later matt and i go through and i'm kelly are you part of this as well go through i'm just gonna comment on both of yours oh you're just gonna, gonna oh, you're gonna criticize yes. oh, i see our sleeper teams in the nfl this year the ones we think are overrated some breakout players who we think is going to the Super Bowl? A whole bunch tonight on Veasan's Primetime Action. season is in full swing, so it's the perfect time to work on cashing tickets every day. Our VEASAN experts give you all the tools to make the most of every baseball bet, including live odds and analysis for every game on VEASAN.com slash MLB and our daily members-only best bet emails. Now is the time to start your free trial and take advantage of all the betting opportunities this baseball season at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Gil. Tampa Bay Lightning on the board first, a goal that had about uh, three or four ricochets and then an impossible angle. Uh, that went in from uh, Gordon. So Tampa Bay is up one nothing, game three on Long Island as uh, that series is knotted up at one game apiece. So lightning up one to nothing. That was Andy McNeil's play. He loved the lightning tonight. We shall see. Early going, still in the first period. Danielle, yes. NFL, what do you yes. got? We've done receiving. We've done some quarterback props. Let's take a look at the rushing totals now. So, uh, leader in the clubhouse here with the most yards on the total, Ter- Derek Henry for the Titans. So, 1,700 and a half is the number for him. Dalvin Cook, 1,400 and a half yard. Nick Chubb for the Browns, 1,300 and a half. Jonathan Taylor, 1,250 and a half. We have Saquon Barkley at 1,175 and a half. Ezekiel Elliott, 1,100 and a half. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 1,075 and a half. And Miles Sander, 1,000 is the number. All right, let me make a confession here. Um, it is very much the the trait of a novice, a novice better to always like favorites and overs in things, right? When I look at this prop... I feel like it's an overfest, and that concerns me greatly, right? Because I look at Derrick Henry, who was north of 2,000 yards last year, right? He's at 1,700. I look at Jonathan Taylor, who had a great uh, early stretch to his career. Uh, Nick Chubb talking big things with Cleveland. Saquon coming back from an injury. Zeke, who's going to just be a bell cow for the uh, Cowboys. Christian McCaffrey coming back for injury. All of these look low to me in a 17-game season, so I should not be the one to talk. Is Derrick Henry's lower because of the Julio news? I, I would say under on Henry mm-hmm. if I was going to play it. But I, just 
just strictly based off like giving a guy a hundred yards a game. Yes, it's right. just like like if he misses unheard of. Like and if he misses one game, yeah, like, right? Yeah. Like on it's principle, just, on yeah, principle, you should not play. Of. So yeah. like on principle, that would be an under bet for me. And if I lost it, then it would just you say, know I'd be okay with it. Cut to a shot of us after week seventeen. Well, he gained two thousand again. Yeah, Twenty two hundred yards yeah. for, old, for old Derrick Henry. Yeah, played every snap. Yeah, like didn't 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 sit out a single snap. Played both ways actually, linebacker. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just on principle. Alone, I can't with a guy that's you know 100 yards a game. There's just you can't do that. So under there for me for sure. A um, couple of guys, you know, look McCaffrey and Barkley coming back from injury, right? So that's always a thing as to will they get you know will they get a full workload? Will they, like? will they get limited? Yeah. You know, all those different things like that. So that's kind of one of the that's the only question really around those guys because if they get a full workload then you would think that, I mean, certainly from a Saquon side of things. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, the thing is, is they could they could use him just so much out of the backfield as a pass catcher and stuff, like basically use him as an extension of the running game with the pass. But like Saquon, for sure, if Saquon's healthy and we if we knew 100% that Saquon, Saquon was healthy, then yes, that would be an over all day long, all all day long on him. Yeah, I I I, I recuse myself. Not from a this. player I'd want to bet an under on. <laughs> yeah, I just I mean this is not a prop I would bet typically speaking, but since we're talking about it, it just there's too many variables to some of these guys. Um, Christian McCaffrey for his career, and this is uh, before uh, he was injured, of course, uh, last season. Just in terms of uh, rushing yards, trying to get the uh, old computer to fire up here, but a thousand seventy-five and a half for him. Um, at, for the for his career, calling up his uh, career stats. Let's see. Oh, I don't have those. Pardon I'm, me. I'm a little surprised Zeke's. I, I guess if I had to play one over, I think it would be Ezekiel Elliott, actually. I, that's a, I just, think there's a healthy amount of Tony Pollard built into that projection. I, I, is that what it is? It must be. Like huh? I think that it's one of those deals where people are kind of look, like trying to read the tea leaves here, whereas... I mean, we talked about several times throughout the course of, of the season last year. When when Pollard was on the field, he looked like the more talented guy. Yeah. Like he actually looked like the, the so more explosive much guy. So much more burst. And and so I think there's probably a healthy amount of Pollard in that projection right there. Just um, like even that he had nine hundred and seventy nine yards last year, like thirteen fifty seven before that, fourteen thirty four, nine eighty three, and sixteen thirty one for Zeke. So, yeah. Zeke, we've seen it happen a lot. By the way, the answer to the Christian McCaffrey number of 1075 and a half, uh, he's done it twice, 2019 and 2018, 1387 and 1098. Just got past that uh, rushing yards we're talking, right? Did oh, obviously huge damage through the air. But just in terms of strict rushing yards, he's beaten that twice. The, the thing about Dalvin Cook, too, with that number is, is so long as we believe that the Vikings are going to keep the same offensive strategy and we really have no reason to think that they wouldn't, I mean – so last year, if you take a look at, at what Dalvin Cook did, he got that done. I mean, he got to 1,557 yards last year in 14 games, right? So he missed two games, beat that 1,400-yard total by 150 yards, and he gets an extra game this year. So if you believe that the strategy stays the same, which, again, I don't think they're going to drastically change the strategy there, Um you would definitely lean 
towards the over on on Dalvin Cook as well. The Nick Chubb one's fairly interesting because they do have a lot of uh, they have a, another very solid option in the backfield for them, and you get the return of Odell Beckham. You get like you get a a, a more confident Baker Mayfield. Like they might throw the ball a little bit more this season this year than they did last year. I expect them to throw the ball a little bit more this year than they did last year. So that one's a little interesting to me, a little dicey. I would say the Chubb under, if you're saying, pick an under now, that's the one I would go to. Just because there's not enough footballs to go around. Right. Not enough footballs to go around there in Cleveland, which is a good thing, by the way, for them. But, um, you know, and then Jonathan Taylor, it's sort of like, what do you expect out of the Indianapolis offense with Carson Wentz? I'm not sure, but I certainly wouldn't bet an under and enjoy that bet either. Yeah, yeah. I, I would lean over him. I, I think I'm with you. I think Chubb would be Chubb, like Derrick Henry, like a principal under Chubb under. Right. It's like it's correct. the thing where you look at Henry and you go, is he likely to if he plays all the games? Is he going to go over 700 for sure? Yes. But like again, these are running back. I mean, Dalvin Cook, like we just said. I mean, yes, he beat the 1400 that's listed up there, but he missed two games. If you look, if you go down this list. Derrick Henry is the only guy that played every game just about. Mm-hmm. Like, like, pretty much every one of these other guys missed games somewhere along the way. Yeah. And so, so you know, Henry, again, it's like you're giving him 100 yards a game well, at 17 games. It is a 17-game schedule, yeah. but to your point, Derrick Henry only last year, right, with over 2,000 yards, did he exceed 1,700 yards in a regular season rushing. So it's 1,540 the, the year before mm-hmm. that, just over 1,000 the year before that. So, I mean... Yeah, on principle, like you say, Kelly, on principle and under on Derrick Henry, by basic football and under on Nick Chubb, but not something I'd gravitate towards. No, I, I maybe put a, I would maybe put a little nugget on Henry on the under, but that's about it. Okay, all right, yeah. I like it. Uh, we'll come back. We'll uh, talk about the Jazz and the Clippers last night. We'll look at that number moving in Game Six. It's Veasan's primetime action on a Thursday night from the South Point. the DraftKings Sportsbook now and get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Simply download the app and use promo code VSIN to get started with the only top-rated sportsbook that matters, DraftKings. You can bet on it. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Gil Alexander. Danielle Alvari, uh, much to get to here. Um, and we'll get to the uh, Clippers and the Jazz here momentarily. Uh, but first, just some uh, some old news and notes here. Um, one, Wimbledon news. A uh, couple things today. I'm not sure that they were massive shockers, but in terms of betting markets, something to keep a, your, uh, to be aware of. Rafael Nadal pulls out of Wimbledon and the Olympics, by the way. Um, Naomi Osaka, some hours later, does the same uh, on the lady side. She, of course, doing that after pulling out of the French Open um, with, uh, as she said, mental health concerns. She will participate. She's looking forward to playing in the Olympics in Japan, uh, the country that she represents on tour. So uh, both, though, Nadal on the men's side and Osaka out of 
the, you know, tennis's grass major, Wimbledon. And, and what that did do on the women's side is it, it actually did shift the odds because one of the very, you know, one of the very big favorites is now no longer playing. So while it didn't move Ash Barty's odds, she was at 550 last time we checked in as well. Serena's down to seven and a half now where she was at nine and a half. So she's down to seven and a half. Is, uh, this, Kv- is this a good surface for her? Grass, is that a good one for Serena? At this well, point? in historically, historically, but, she's great on everything, yeah, right? right? Grass and, yeah. and yeah. hard courts being the best. But you know, to to the point there, Matt. Though, because we were talking a little bit about this before the show, and this and this from a guy again who I I am not shy about playing futures on the women's side of tennis. I've hit four of the last seven outrights before the tournament. I, that absence didn't like it. it my instinct was, oh, I got to run to the book and play somebody now. And I got to tell you, didn't trigger anything. I, it didn't trigger anything mm-hmm. for me yeah. because I'm just like, okay, I would have bet on Osaka. I, it's a crap. Just to shoot. have mm-hmm. it or because she was your actual favorite. Uh, she was, she was the, she was the person that I would have bet on. Mm. Uh, and in fact, have a, by the way, have an eight to one ticket on her to win Wimbledon. Not anymore. You Not don't. anymore. I don't. <laughs> so th- it didn't make me race to bet anybody. I don't know if, if you mm. thought of anyone specific. No, and not at all, actually. And in, in, especially on with the way that women's tennis has played out over the last 18 months on this particular surface, it's almost like I don't, yeah, I, I can't, I can't go there. 25 people yeah. could win this, yeah, you know. And Drescu is kind of interesting, but I don't know. You know, we don't have grass data, and for some of these, some of these players, we don't have grass data ever, like two years ago, three years, all time in some cases. So it's just really difficult. And like Matt said, on the men's side, Nadal pulling out, you're, you're sort of like, well, Djokovic still the favorite. All it, yeah, all it did was yeah. Djokovic went from plus 110 to, to plus one, to even money. So I think I saw plus 125 a couple days ago, yeah. but you're right. You're right. Not, he's minus 109 right now. Yeah. So I said this on a numbers game the other day. Uh, if, there, if you did say bet two other dudes besides Djokovic, Berrettini, and Medvedev would be the only other two players I could justify a bet on. The Why no Tsitsipas? Because uh, I saw he was pretty high up the leader you know, I, board for that. I don't odds. think he's better than those guys. Medvedev's, and especially based on the numbers. Medvedev six to one, Berrettini twenty two to one. Yeah, right those would be the. But but it's Djokovic's tournament to to lose, and Djokovic going for the Grand Slam. He's trying to win his third consecutive, uh, and if he does that, then he's got the U.S. Open to do that in the calendar year. Of 2021 hasn't been done since 1968 and Rod Laver. So he's chasing that. And if he does that, he will also top Nadal and Federer for the most Grand Slam singles titles of all time. I missed. We missed. The, we missed what, what the time was. Oh, we uh, did. The, for tip oh, off. We did. Tip off. We totally did. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Tennis. Tennis dang. got us distracted. Don't know if we were over or under. Um, four to two, by the way, Milwaukee. Uh, a little less than not, uh, three minutes into this one. And James Harden tries a, a very lazy behind-the-back pass that gets uh, batted out of bounds. <laughs> um, Mavericks. So there are seven head coaching vacancies now in the National Basketball Association. Some feel if Milwaukee loses tonight, there might be eight, if you know what I mean. But um, the Mavericks become the seventh because on the heels of Donnie Nelson, after 24 years uh, being ousted from the organization, today Rick Carlisle just walked away. With two years left on his contract. With two years left on his contract. And again, this gets back to this supposed rift that's taking place in the Ma- in the uh, Mavericks front office, perhaps created by former sports better, former quotes, uh, Haralibus Vulgaris, who made his hay betting the National Basketball Association, who the Mavericks hired to run their analytics department. And Kelly, did you get that tweet I just sent you uh, here recently? Uh, the, the latest rumor, by the way, and who knows, you know, again, speculative on 
why all of these guys are, you know, why this is happening, this upheaval in the Mavericks front office. Um, this from Jonathan Wasserman. He was told that the Mavs' decision to take Josh Green over Sadiq Bay frustrated a number of key executives and scouts. Some wanted Bay in the draft. Analytics said Green and won. Bay went one pick later and was just named the first team all rookie team. That from uh, that from Jonathan Wasserman, who uh, is the lead NBA scout and draft analyst for Bleacher Report. So um, I don't know. You know Aralabam, Aralabam, yeah, do you? I, I mean, I don't. Maybe maybe there's much more going on in that organization than I know. But I mean, I thought everything I had heard and everything that people even close to him had told me was just really and truly more in an advisor role, just like you know things like that. But it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, a lot of times when there's smoke, there's yeah a little bit more to it. You know, it probably this probably has been blown up bigger than it actually is. But there's probably but it probably is bigger than like he's nothing but a, an yeah. advisor. The I only think. thing the only thing I'll say just to put a ribbon on it is. If if Rick Carlisle is leaving on his own volition and Donnie Nelson is out based on Mark Cuban's supposed loyalty to Vulgaris, please explain that to me because I'll never understand I, that. I don't know what's going on, yeah. but I I cannot. There's just my, my brain cannot even begin to to comprehend walking out on Luka Doncic at the at the age of 22 we're still at 22 right that's Matt? right I mean you're talking this is like this is like bailing on I mean this might be a stretch but like this is bailing on a Jordan or LeBron like at the, like early in their careers and being like this organization is too big of a mess even though this guy's this good, I got to get out of here. Best point made so far. And I don't know, like, that blows my mind that someone could be that upset with their work atmosphere yes. to, to let go the opportunity of coaching a guy as talented as Luka Doncic. Well said. I got nothing to add. That's exactly right. I it's got to be toxic. It's got to be horrible. Um, by the way, Bucks 10-2 to over Brooklyn now, 749 left in the first quarter. Giannis attempting a free throw uh, on the and one to extend the lead to nine. Uh, what do you know? So that one, that one he made. I mean, Gil, you know what it kind of reminds me of is, is mm. in a different situation, but Doug Collins in the Phil Jackson transition, right, where it's like in Chicago in those young days where you're kind of like, yeah, sure, I'll come in and take this beautiful Christmas present that you've left me with Michael Jordan. Like, absolutely. Right, but that was, you know, there were some rumors that it was Jordan-induced, and if it wasn't Jordan-induced, right. it was, you know... It, Collins didn't quit. It wasn't somebody polluting the the owner in the front office. We have a James besides. Harden three-pointer. James Harden with a three. So uh, he is already <laughs> he has already made one more than he did in 46 minutes the other night. Yeah, answered by Lopez Bucket. So uh, keep scoring points, people. I need points. Yeah, for this first half over. Um, last night the other game we didn't talk about it yet, uh, but you know after that Philly Atlanta game, there's not much that could top that. But if anything came close, it was that game between the Jazz and the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. And again, if you missed it, Kawhi's out for Game Six too. Just announced before the show. The Jazz go 17 of 30 from behind the arc in the first half and only lead by five at the break. What did they do behind the arc in the second half? Three of 24 and playoff Paul George, playoff P, uh, 37 points leads the way. Clippers beat the Jazz as eight and a half point dogs. They win by eight, 119 to 111. The clip show makes their mark uh, down their best player. Can they sustain that though? It was pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. I was, yeah. I, I, I was extremely impressed. It, I was pretty impressed, especially with the way that the 
ancillary guys stepped up and and helped out as well. I mean, there was nobody who was really kind of a drag on that team out there at all. I mean, like the I guess the the biggest one maybe you could look at is I mean Patrick Beverly played 17 minutes and didn't really chip in much of anything. He had but, a couple stupid fouls too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but outside of that, I mean, man, it. it Batum was good. Morris was good. Jackson was good. Reggie, your guy, Reggie Jackson-Kelly, who made not oh. one but two end-of-shot end clock jumpers that no. were just amazing. Where you were like, how are you going to get this shot yes. off? Well, much less go in, and, yeah. and it does. And then, man, Terrence Mann with that, I, I guess it's a dunk, but barely <laughs> around Rudy Gobert. Posterized, I think. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, as much as you can posterize a Rudy Gobert, I guess that's what it was. But I guess I look at this game a little bit like when we were talking Nets, Nets Bucks before that game got started. I just don't know. Can, can you reproduce, like, can the Clippers reproduce that again? Because they kind of, when we drew out that game yesterday before, the, before it tipped off, it was like, okay, well, yeah. Uh, you know, we were all pretty sold on the Jazz, and it's like the only way, only way the Clippers can do this is that if Paul George has a massive night and then gets a lot of help from a Reggie Jackson, Marcus mm. Morris, and others. Well, that's exactly what happened. So, can they do it for another game or two? And I, I just don't know that if I believe that they can. I don't. I don't know if there was anything to to read into this, but after the little retweaking of the ankle for Donovan Mitchell, right? So we look at the last two games. 9 of 26 from the floor for 34% shooting. He was 6 of 19 last night for 31% shooting. Now, I don't know. Maybe they changed up the way they were guarding him. I don't, you know, again, I'm not super NBA mind to be able to figure that type of stuff out. But the two games since the little retweak, he is now, he went from shooting, he shot 53% in game one, he shot 52% in the next game, he shot 46% in the next game to 34% to 31%. And again, I think I see where you're going with that. And again, I think for anybody out there looking at, looking at the Sixers or the Jazz tomorrow night, just keep in mind that both, you got Mitchell and Embiid currently listed as questionable, and I think there are maybe some rightful concerns. So keep your eye on that status before you go make a bet. If the uh, the Jazz or the Sixers lose, let's say they both lose, what's the bigger disappointment? Sixers. I say probably Sixers, but yeah. man, it's just the year of the injury. The year of the injury. We'll come back. We get to talk football. Our projections uh, in the NFL season, a June projection, and we'll update all the scores. It's Feasting's Primetime Action. 